Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm obviously not with you in person today. Uh, right now, I am with our youth, 20 high schoolers from our church, and Marcus, our director of youth and campus ministry, and two other adult female chaperones. We are at the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod National Youth Gathering, uh, which is an event that's held every three years for our denomination. And we are with uh, about 25,000 other high schoolers and their adult chaperones in Minneapolis, Minnesota for this gathering. Uh, we got here last Wednesday and uh, we're still going strong. Our closing worship is tomorrow morning on, on Monday. Uh, and so we'll be home on, on Tuesday. Uh, we are working our way through Genesis, and today we're still going uh, right along with that plan. And so what we have seen so far in Genesis 1 and 2, God created everything and it was perfect. In Genesis 3, man and woman did what they should not do and they fell into sin. Last week in Genesis 4, we saw what sin uh, continued to do and how sin uh, was intensified very, very quickly as Cain killed his brother Abel. And then Cain uh, was essentially, his his family was essentially cut off with a family tree. And so Adam and Eve had another son and his name was Seth. And from the lineage of Seth, uh, we eventually get to this man named Noah. Noah, probably one of the most well-known Bible stories in all of the scripture, uh, I would imagine. Uh, people people have an idea about it. They, they've heard of the flood. They've heard of animals on a boat and rains and storms and, and all sorts of stuff like that. It's such a well-known Bible story. Uh, as a matter of fact, that I, I still remember when I was in high school, my high school youth group would go on mission trips to an Indian reservation in northern Minnesota. And there was one time that I was doing the Bible lesson and we were, we were doing the story of Noah and I was just telling the story from memory. So I told the whole story. I think I was teaching like fourth or fifth graders. I told the whole story. And then I got to the end of the story and I said, what did you get? What did you kids think about this? Now, these aren't really church going kids. I told them the whole story. And I said, what did you think? And the kids said, what about the animals? And I said, well, the, yeah, the animal. They said, you didn't say anything about animals. I told them the whole story and didn't tell them anything about the animals. So such a well-known story that even kids who don't go to church <laughs> still know that there are animals on the ark. Now, uh, today we're essentially covering this whole story of Noah and the flood. It's Genesis chapters 5 through 10. And in this, there's so much stuff that we could talk about. I, I could probably preach on just the flood for a whole month in and of itself. I mean, what are we going to talk about? Are we going to talk about what it means to be uh, righteous, that Noah was chosen? What it means to be wicked, that God would destroy everything that is? Are we going to talk about the historical facts surrounding this? Uh, was it just a regional flood or a worldwide flood? Did it, did it actually happen? Did it not? Yes, it did. We believe that it did. Um, there's no reason not to believe that it did, but I mean, we could, we could look at all these things, you know, who are these Nephilim who are sons of God? Uh, I could talk about the animals and the two by two and the male and the female, but ah, it could go on and on and on. So in deciding what to preach about today, I have to be very selective. 
And so what I've selected to talk about today is one simple image, but a very powerful one. It's this little thing called water. You know, we live on the water. We live on the shores of Lake Superior. I just read a news report today that last month in the month of June, uh, we have the highest levels of water in Lake Superior than have ever been monitored since monitoring started in 1918. The one statistic that I did hear that made sense is that if you take all the water in Lake Superior and empty it out, it, it there's enough water to cover all of North and South America in a foot of water. That's a lot of water. <laughs> Living on the water, we understand uh, the importance of water, uh, the beauty of water. We also understand the threats of water. And in this story of uh, Noah and the flood, and frankly, throughout the scriptures, we see the vital role that water plays. I mean, water is central to our um, life and death, our human experience as creation. If you think about it, water has everything to do with life and death. I mean, without water, one will die, but water can also be the source of one's death, as we see too tragically uh, with, with drownings, even some recently in our area. But water is also the source of life. We have to have water in order to survive. And so water plays a, a key role in our whole, whole own understanding of our human existence. But it's also used very clearly in the scriptures as an image of life and death. So today, what I want you to hear in the story of Noah are two roles that water play in the, in the flood narrative. Two roles that water play. One death and two deliverance so death and deliverance the water causes death but the water is also the source of deliverance so let's look at both of these water is the source of death now when we're looking at this story uh, obviously god is very very clear in the scriptures the reason for sending the flood it says this in Genesis, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Is that hard for you to fathom? that God would be so grieved with what he had created that he would actually cause the vast, 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 vast majority of it to die? Is that a hard concept for you to understand? I think it's a hard concept for a lot of people to understand. We don't like to think of God being a God of judgment. You know, we oftentimes hear that God is a God of love, and so we just expect God to be this God of love, and we don't understand how God could be what seems to be such a harsh judge. Why didn't he just make everything better? 
you know, there really is no love if there is not judgment. Have you ever thought about that? There really is not love if there is not judgment. God was very clear in the beginning. We're so close to the beginning of the narrative here at the flood account. We're so close to creation and creation's fall, right, into sin, that it should be very clear to us still what was God's word and what was his will. It was for his people to enjoy the creation, to live according to God's will, to listen to his word, to be fruitful and multiply. And they just can't do it. They just can't do it. They turn to themselves so much. They look to their own ideas and their own ways. It leads to anger, jealousy, selfishness, murder, on and on and on. The wickedness was too great. It grieved God. And so God made a plan to start over. And he planned on starting over through this man named Noah. Now, the scriptures call Noah a righteous man. You know, what does that mean for him to be righteous? Well, it, in this sense, it really does mean that he was obedient. Not perfectly. Not perfectly. He was not perfect, but obedient to God's word. He desired to live according to God's word and not his own. And so God selected this man. God is working out his plan and his plan is being worked out through Noah. And God commands Noah to build an ark. This word in the Hebrew means basically a box, <laughs> um, a, a container to hold things, right? Later on, we, we hear of the Ark of the Covenant, right? This is Noah's Ark, and it's going to hold the treasures of God's creation, if you will. Now, God commands him to build this. It's a big boat. If you if you take the, the measure of cubits, a cubit is about 18 inches, and so... Uh, the boat was about 450 feet long, uh, 75 feet tall, 45 feet wide. Uh, that's a big boat, one and a half American football fields long, right? This is a big boat. Today, we're not going to talk. We, we could talk a lot about, you know, the practicalities of uh, the ark and, and how it is that God uh, allowed Noah to do this and where did they store all this stuff. Uh, I want to direct you to a, to a resource that's out there. Some of you know this, and some of you have been there. Uh, it's called the Ark Encounter. Uh, it was built in Kentucky uh, just recently. It's a full-size um, Noah's Ark, along with all kinds of biblical exhibits. I know a lot of people who have gone there personally, and they said it's uh, very enlightening. Uh, it allows the words on the pages of scriptures to um, really come to life. Uh, here's a here's a link if you want to uh, jot it down and uh, go on a tour yourself. You can take yourself there, but there's a lot of great resources online as well. Uh, this is the Ark Encounter.
God chooses Noah. He chooses Noah's family. He commands Noah to gather the animals and go on the ark, right? Water is about to play a significant role in death, right? In death and in destruction of all that is evil, but also in deliverance, in deliverance. And so, so God uh, put Noah on the boat. Noah followed through. He did what God commanded him. And eventually the waters did come for 40 days and 40 nights. The whole earth was filled with water, but Noah and his family and the animals were safe aboard this ark. God's creation was protected. After the waters subside, um, all comes uh, to, to fruition and, and uh, Noah and his family are able to come off of the ark. And what did God speak to Noah after this? Did you pick up on it? God spoke to Noah and his family, essentially the same words he had spoken to Adam and Eve. Just a couple generations before he told them, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Take care of what you've been taking care of for the last 40 days. Continue to do what you have been doing and the creation will continue on in a godly way. Well, Noah, Noah did, but his children did not. But we'll get to more of that later on. You know, water plays such a key and significant role in our lives and in the, in the scriptures. But what is that role that water plays in our personal lives? Well, the story of the flood is one that we can actually apply to ourselves as well. What does water do? Death, but also deliverance. In the book of Romans today, we see Paul taking on this kind of language when he says that through holy baptism, which is the washing and the rebirth of us, the old Adam in us, the old Adam in us daily dies and we rise to new life with Jesus, the new Adam. This is how Martin Luther describes what baptizing with water does for us. Luther says, it indicates that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. What a great gift that is. To those of you who are baptized, this is the gift that you have been given. You have been united with Jesus Christ in his death and in his resurrection. So the water of baptism in a way causes a death, a death to your old self, that old Adam, that sinful flesh. And you rise daily to new life, delivered out of that sin to new life in Jesus Christ. This is the gift of baptism for you. Death to the old self and deliverance to the new life in Christ. To those of you who are not baptized, I invite you to receive this great gift from Jesus Christ to be wrapped up in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that you too can have this newness of life. If you're not baptized, talk to me. I'd love to have you receive this wonderful gift from God. So Noah and his family come off the boat. And God makes a covenant to Noah's family. It has to do with a little bit more water. This time the remnants of the water up in the sky. 
And God places a bow in the clouds, a rainbow in the clouds. As a reminder to Noah, but even more so, the scripture says, a reminder to God of his covenant to never destroy the earth like he just did again. To never do it again. And so when you see a rainbow in the sky, may you too be reminded of God's great promise to you that he will not destroy you, but he will deliver you. Deliverance is yours. As we talked about last week, sin is crouching at our door. It would love to have control over us. But in Jesus Christ, our Lord, and by the power of baptism, we are protected. We are protected. We are delivered to a new life. Cling to your baptism. Cling to Jesus. Know that he loves you. Know that you are forgiven. Know that eternal life is promised for you. This is what I want you to see today. As you experience water, as you take a drink this day, may you be refreshed with the love of Jesus Christ. If you take a dip in Lake Superior later this summer, may you be washed clean and reminded of what your baptism does for you. If you set sail in a boat and you go in the water, be reminded of how God delivered Noah and his family and he keeps you safe as well. Water is everywhere. It's part of our lives. It is what connects us to life and to death, but also to deliverance. So be delivered this day in the name of Jesus Christ and by his power alone. You have a new life in him. Amen.